This is John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Wanted to say just a quick word to thank everyone who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. And remind you, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com, a digital subscription where you get all of our sports coverage. That's Kentucky basketball with Jerry Tipton, Kentucky football with Josh Moore. You get our my columns, Mark Story's columns. You get Kentucky recruiting, basketball recruiting with Ben Roberts. You get all of our high school coverage with Jared Peck. $30 for the first year for a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com. Please check that out. Go to Kentucky.com, hit the subscribe button, check out all of our offers. And once again, we thank everyone who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking to my fellow columnist, Mark Story, about Kentucky's 20-10 to 10 loss to Missouri yesterday out in Columbia. We're also going to talk, hit a little basketball uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of our conversation. Uh, Olivier Saar and Jacob Toppin were both ruled eligible uh, last week by the NCAA and the SEC. They get to play this year. I wanted to get Mark's thoughts on that. But mostly we're going to talk about UK's loss at Missouri, especially about the offense. How do you fix the offense? So let's get right to it with Mark's story of the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my friend and colleague and fellow hair leader sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going today, Mark? It's going fine, John. Well, that's good. Kentucky coming off that uh, very disappointing loss at Missouri yesterday, uh, 20 to 10. Uh, first time Kentucky's lost to Missouri. They'd won five straight over Missouri. Uh, just uh, as Mark Story said after the game, they beat us in pretty much every phase. I guess the number one question is, okay, Mark Story, you're you're Eddie Grant. How do you fix this offense? That's a great question. Um, it looked to me like they were trying to replicate what they did in the second half at Tennessee, and that they they came out and tried to you know establish some passing game. And I thought that made sense. But the the thing that it seemed like to me that happened in that Missouri game was they never really established what they do. They never really did just line up and try to run it right at Missouri and stick with it. And, you know, A.J. Rose had a good run in the first half, and I thought Christopher Rodriguez, you know, had some decent runs. But to me, they just never did really, you know, just line up and say, okay, this is who, this is who we are, this is what we do, you know, stop it. And, you know – I go back and forth. There's a part of me that thinks they ought to just junk the pass and just run the offense they ran last year. And even if they don't have as much quarterback run, just give it to the backs and go. There's another part of me that thinks, you know, especially now that, you know, they probably are not in a position to have a winning season, that they need to, you know, work really hard to get the passing game back in the offense so they can be balanced next year. Yeah, they came out in that first series and and threw three straight passes, first two incompletions, then, uh, on third and 10 completed like a six yard pass 
And yeah, you, that was, you had to scratch your head about that one. Uh, uh, there was another time, uh, I don't have the play sheet in front of me, but uh, where you came out and you, they'd had some success running and then they kind of went, they got away from it again, uh, which was puzzling. I don't know how much of it. Missouri coming into the game had not been, I think they were 10th in the SEC in pass defense. They were giving up over 300 yards a game in, in pass defense. I don't know if that figured into it or like you said, they were trying to replicate what they did on that especially on that opening drive of the second half against Tennessee but nothing worked I mean 145 yards of total offense um, uh, I think it was uh, uh, you know the least amount of or the fewest yards they've had in total offense all the way back to uh, 2011 uh, when they played uh, when Joker Phillips team got crushed at South Carolina 54 to 3 but the other thing is I mean, this is the second time now this year that they've had less than 200 yards total offense I mean that's not good <laughs> yeah two two of the last three games they've basically had complete offensive meltdowns and you know the, the defense was able to score and you know put them in position to score a touchdown and then score a touchdown and they were able to pull out the Mississippi State game, but you know at some point you're, you know your defense isn't going to score two touchdowns in every right. game, right. and you're going to have to be able to move it. And and they uh, they I mean they seem to be regressing. I mean of the last six halves, they've right. played one good half. The second half at Tennessee. Right. Okay. Well, uh, you we yesterday in the first quarter. Or second quarter, I mean, uh, they replaced Terry Wilson at quarterback with uh, with Joey Gaywood. Uh, he ran a couple series, and then they went back to uh, went back to Terry in the second half. You you wrote about this, Mark, after the game. What what where does his, what is Kentucky's quarterback situation right now? You think going into going into next week against Georgia? I guess I think I would probably stick with Terry one more week. He played well against Georgia two years ago, and you know he's meant a lot he's meant an awful lot to the program in terms of what he's achieved i'd probably give him another chance but you know they're at the point that if they don't get something going i mean you, you reach the point that it doesn't make sense to be, be using your reps on a guy who, pro, who presumably is not going to be here next year it's hard to say for sure because everybody has a free year but as far as we know, will not be in, you know, is a senior and presumably won't be here next year. Right. I think it's an interesting question. You know, this is a veteran football team. You know, nobody opted out. Ever, you know, we're in a global pandemic, and everybody, all the Kentucky players, all the veterans, you know, they they they're playing. You know, I think pulling the plug on the season by going with young quarterbacks is a little more complicated in this scenario than it might be otherwise. I guess my what I actually what I wrote is I I think they'll probably stick with Terry one more week if things don't go well against Georgia then you've got the off week and you come back against right. Vanderbilt and if you are if you're planning or thinking about switching to a young quarterback that to me would be the way to do it Take, you know as they did last year when they put the offense in for Lynn off in an open week you'd have two weeks to sort of you know work on things and and then you would ease the quarterback in against, you know, Vandy who, who hasn't won a game this year. Right. I mean, I think, you know, I, th- I think this right now, this is a team in bad need of an open week. Unfortunately, they got, uh, that doesn't come for a couple of weeks because they've got Georgia this coming week, but yeah, it's usually we make a change, you know, uh, or you, uh, decide to go in a different direction, try to do it over the off week. I mean, <laughs> example of that in, in the NFL, just this past week, Miami, after coming off a 24 nothing win over uh, the Jets, uh, make the announcement that they're 
Going to two as their starting quarterback, replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick. A lot of people are like, why in the world are they doing that now? And so, well, they have an open week. They pretty much decided that if Tua was healthy, they were going to do it over their open week because they would have two weeks to get him ready. So, uh, yeah, if they do make a change, and, I mean, do they make the change to Joey Gatewood, who we've seen a little bit of? The coaches raved about Bo Allen, the fresh, and he's a true freshman from Lexington Catholic. They really, the coaches really talked him up in the in the preseason camp about how, uh, you know, how well he was throwing the ball, how good he looked. Um, I mean, do you go in that, if you, if Georgia, if you get thumped by Georgia, do you go in that direction? Well, I think you have to consider it. I mean, we've barely seen Joey Gatewood, so I'm not rendering any judgment at all. Right. What I heard about him at Auburn was he was a little bit, you know, some of his, you know, talent and some of his uh, weaknesses are similar to Terry Wilson's. Right. That he's you know, a dual threat quarterback can make plays with his feet, but is an inconsistent passer. I think, you know, if Kentucky feels like to, you know, take the next step or, to stay where they've been, they need you know to establish a more consistent downfield passing threat. I think you, you, Bo Allen may be the the answer to that. So you know, I think it. I think a lot depends on how they play against Georgia and how people how they feel about the rest of the season. But if you reach the point that you're playing young quarterbacks, I mean, do you play them both? Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. And how much of this, I mean, obviously their passing game has been pretty much non-existent. Um, certainly yesterday, couldn't get, except for the one touchdown pass, was you know couldn't get much done in the passing game. How much How much the blame, you know, we talk about the quarterbacks, but how much blame goes to the receivers? I mean, Josh Ali has been the basically the only target all year. He's been the only consistent target. Nobody has stepped up to take that second you know, to be the I'm the second guy, I'm the second option. Nobody's been a clear choice there. And the other thing, it looks to me like, especially yesterday, Terry was pretty hesitant on his throws. I mean, how much of that is Terry not making good decisions, but how much is that just guys aren't getting open? Well, I think a lot of the blame goes on the receivers. Um, I think even Josh Ali, you know, has had a, some chances to make, you know, kind of tough catches that, you know, aren't, you know, aren't easy, but are, you know, catches that high-level SEC – you know, wide receivers make for their quarterbacks and you know maybe you know terry seems to have an odd pattern when you can almost tell the first series when he's not going to play well he'll come out and throw high and is inaccurate on just even on short passes but some of those could be caught and you know maybe you, right. you know they would make some of those tough catches you know they could get it he could get into rhythm and 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 they could you know get some gets get get going in the passing game even when he's off a little bit yeah. But, to, but, but to answer your question, yeah, I think a lot of the blame's on the receivers because, you know, it's, I don't entirely blame them because obviously last year when all the quarterbacks got hurt, they wound up running basically a, a, an option attack. You know, the, the wide receivers that, you know, didn't get a lot of development, at least in terms of game reps as far as pass catchers. But it's been bad. I mean, the, the receiving is – I mean, it's just been bad this year. <laughs> no, that, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. The other factor yesterday is that John Schlarman, the offensive line coach who is battling cancer, did not make the trip. Uh, I think that's the first time uh, he was diagnosed with cancer before last season. Uh, I mean, they announced it bef- at the beginning of training camp last year, so it's not a secret. Um, the I think that's the first time he's missed a trip. Uh, he was presented the game ball after the Tennessee game. How much of an effect? And we didn't know. Apparently, the players knew late in the week. Drake Jackson said yesterday, UK Senior Center, that they knew late in the week that John wasn't going to make the trip. We didn't know it until uh, 
there yesterday, the UK sports information people sent out a uh, uh, kind of a, well, a text message saying that John did not make the trip. How much of an effect do you think that that had on, on yesterday? I think it had some, I just think the, the human emotion of right. you know what, you know, I've never met anybody that knows John Schlarman that doesn't like him. So the, the players, you know, are, have sort of lived through this with him and have seen the battle and have seen what he's going through and have seen, you know, the, the turn the battle appears to be taking. So I'm, I'm sure they were affected. They wouldn't be human if they weren't affected. Right. Yeah. That's what I wrote on for Monday. I mean, I, I don't think, I, I mean, I don't think like Mark Stoops said after the game, you know, it's not an excuse. Uh, we've got to respond. You want, you know, you should want to play well in his honor. And when you talk about the sacrifices that he's made and everything he's going through, Landon Young talked about it last week on one of the Zoom conferences pretty expansively about, you know, he, he shows up for practice when you know that he's hurting, you know, in energy and, you know, he wants to spend time with his kids and be at home. And, and but yet he's out there, you know, grinding it out with the team because he, you know, because he is landed, but he loves the sport and he loves his players. And I think for that yesterday, especially since it being the first time that he's missed a trip, I, I don't think I don't see how that could not have some effect on him. Although Drake said after the game, you know, we have faith in him. That he's coached us up. You know, they had Coach Grant. Uh, they had a grad assistant who helps out. Uh, Coach Fink, who helps uh, John with the offensive line, was there. But still, you wonder about what these kids are going through emotionally. As you mentioned, and I think you're exactly right, I mean, they see it day in and day out, the battle he's going through. It's got to have some sort of an effect on them, I would think. Yeah, I, I don't see how it could not. And you know, it, it, Kentucky looked just like it had nothing in the emotion. They, they had no petrol in the emotional tank. And, None. And, 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 and I think that it's hard to believe that, you know, Coach Slarman is well thought of as he is, you know, around that program it, it's hard to believe his absence you know wasn't didn't have an impact on that yeah no i mean I, I when i was on the beat i covered john when he was playing he's one of my favorite players he was always great with us yeah you know, like you said i don't know anybody who doesn't have anything but good things to say about john schlarman and uh you know our our uh, uh you know we're, we're rooting for him you know in this battle and hopefully he'll be back uh this week on the sidelines against georgia let's switch over to the defense um you know, I don't think the defense, on the one hand, you say, well, the defense didn't play all that bad. They gave up 20 points. But uh, on the other hand, Missouri had long drives. The defense could not get off the field, as Mark Stoops said after the game. And, uh, you know, they just uh, – he used the word mush. I'm not exact. I have to look up the definition of that. They mushed us. Uh, but uh, – and they didn't force a turnover. Obviously, they got – as Yusef Corker said, yeah, we got tired, but we had only ourselves to blame because we couldn't get off the field. We couldn't stop them on third down. Yeah, the, the the third down the third down conversions, the third and longs they allowed, and also the fourth down conversions. I mean, that was the story of the game defensively, and and, and Missouri's time of possession was just ridiculous. Yeah, forty three minutes. minutes. Yeah, and you know, I didn't think Kentucky's tackling was as crisp no, as it had been, no. and to me, that just reflected a, a flat team. Right. You know, somebody, this is not me originally, but somebody on Twitter said it reminded them of the 2018 Tennessee game yeah. when Kentucky turned up, you know, kind of laid sort of a dinosaur egg in kind of a flat way. And, and I think there's, I think that was a good, a good analogy. I think I, I, for whatever reason, I just think they turned up flat. 
Yeah, and the only difference is in 18, they were coming off a disappointing loss to Georgia in a big, you know, SEC East when they had a chance to even win the SEC East uh, and then laid an egg at Tennessee. This time they're coming off a big win over Tennessee. Everybody patting them on the back and then came out. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt they were definitely flat. They just did not have to seem to have any sense of urgency you know, for whatever reason, sense of urgency at all. And, you know, you sit back and say on the one hand, you know, they only get 10 opportunities. They ought to be ready to play, especially when you're playing an all-conference SEC schedule. But, you know, on the other hand, that's easier said than done a lot of times. It's hard to get up and be at your best 10 games season. And it's, you know, you're playing all SEC schedule. It's tough week after week. And we asked uh, Yusef Corker about that after the game. And he said, you know, I'm not going to lie. It is tough when you don't get a break or you're not playing and when you're, you don't get any non-conference opponents, but you've still got to, you know, grind it out and go out there and play. Um, and now we got another SEC, one of the better teams in the SEC, maybe the second best team in the SEC, Georgia coming in here. And as you wrote earlier, uh, as you wrote last week, uh, the SEC didn't do Kentucky any favors. Missouri had two weeks to prepare, although they really didn't know that they were getting to play. They were going to play Kentucky until the Friday before, but they gave them a couple extra days. Georgia's had Georgia will have had uh, two weeks to full two weeks to prepare because they found out at the same time. Uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't shape up <laughs> real well for Kentucky. I don't think coming into Saturday. No, it, the original schedule I thought set up really well for Kentucky against Georgia. And that's that didn't mean that Kentucky was going to beat them, but I do think they had a chance. Originally, it would have been Georgia coming here the game after Alabama, and I think there's a chance Georgia would have had the kind of hangover after that game that Kentucky had in 2018 after it played Georgia for the SEC East at Tennessee in the game we just talked about. But but now with Georgia, you know, with two full weeks and a chance to sort of recharge and get healthy, and and also the fact that. Kentucky Kentucky just played so poorly offensively at Missouri. They're not going to. It's hard to see how they bring any confidence into this game at all. I I don't think it sets up great for the Cats. No. And as you mentioned uh, a little earlier, uh, when you look down the road, it's going to be a battle to even break 500, uh, much less have a winning season because you've got Georgia at home. You've still got after the break, as you mentioned, Vanderbilt, but then Florida and Alabama and road games, South Carolina at the end. Uh, as, you, as you've said, uh, it, it almost looks like the easiest part of Kentucky's schedule is over with. Yeah, well, to, just to break even now, to get to 5-5, five and five, they have to beat Vanderbilt and South Carolina at home, and the latter is no guarantee. I mean, they no. should beat Vandy, but South Carolina at home coming off back-to-back road games at Alabama and Florida, that that's not any certainty. Yeah. And then they're going to have to upset one of those top 10 teams, either at Alabama, at Florida, or Georgia. Right. You've got to win one of them now just to get to five and five. All right. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a tall task, uh, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, and and I'll be interested to see how Georgia plays. They've had two weeks to prepare. Uh, you know, they've got a little uncertainty. at quarterback Stetson Bennett did not play well against Alabama. They talk like they're going to stick with him. You know, but we'll see what happens. In the time Kentucky hasn't beaten Georgia under Mark Stoops. There just seems to be an obvious, even with all the strides Kentucky has made in recruiting and Mark Stoops and Vince Merrow in, uh, in upping the talent level on this team, there's still a pretty good gap, I think, between Kentucky and Georgia. Well, as good as Kentucky was in 2018, and that was a, a really good team that you know went on to beat Penn State in the Citrus Bowl, there was a clear talent gap when they played Georgia in that game for the SEC East. Oh, yeah. Now, that being said, you know, 
Kentucky, you know, has fought so hard to get out from under the long Florida losing streak and the long Tennessee losing streak and the long losing streak to teams coached by Steve Spurrier. This Georgia thing, they haven't beaten them since 2009. You don't want to let this turn into another right one of those things because i think those i know mark stoops is tired of hearing about these streaks but i actually think they do a lot i actually think those long losing streaks to teams in your own division did a lot of damage to kentucky football just the perception and you don't want to let another one of those get going no there's no doubt it's a psychological thing it it can't help but be even in i know mark likes to say well you know these players had nothing to do with that that's true but still it's around the program and uh you can't, you know, they can't completely, you know, tune that out. So we'll see that out. How we'll see how it goes. Real, real briefly here, let's touch on basketball. We haven't talked about basketball, but Kentucky got some good news. Kentucky basketball got some good news last week that both Olivier Saar and Jacob Toppin uh, got waivers for immediate eligibility and will and will be able to play this year, provided we have it this year. There's a story out today that the Orlando, the Kentucky, I think was the Champions Classic is supposed to be held in Orlando, and there's now some. Uh, talk about that the Orlando bubbles may not happen and they're not sure what they're going to do with those games and those teams but let's let's take for granted that they are going to play uh wh- what about the news last week and how good can what what kind of effect is this going to have on this Kentucky basketball team you think well I think it really helps it gives you a proven low post scorer and there aren't a lot of you know there aren't a lot of those guys floating around in college basketball and this right. is a, you know a guy that had he entered the NBA draft you know when, assuming there will eventually be an NBA draft, would have probably been, you know, may have been chosen in the second round. And, you know, that's a valuable commodity. And I think also his experience, you know, I think, you know, it's it's hard to underplay or, you know, I don't, it, it was unmitigated good news. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. No, yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, I was, you know, uh, of course there was, I thought all along that they would make him eligible. He would get the waiver, but the longer it went on, you kept thinking, okay, what's the deal here? Uh, of course, there was some talk. Of course, the SEC had to make the final determination. There was some talk that at least one team, maybe more than one team, was arguing against SAR uh, being get the waiver because uh, – uh, because of other factors and the fact that uh, the, the SEC ruled that if you've got less than two to pl- two or less to play, you, sh- you have to sit out a year. But he, um, uh, but ultimately he got the waiver, and I, which I think was the right thing considering COVID and everything that's going on, and the fact that it's almost assured that next year they're go- they're going to pass the rule that uh, everybody will get a one-time transfer waiver. Uh, but it was a little it was a little odd that it took so long for him to finally rule on it. Well, I, 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 my perception was that it was the SEC. It was held up right. at, at the league level that the NCAA had signed off on it quite some time ago. It was interesting that if, if in fact that were is accurate, it was interesting that it spent so long sitting on the desk, sitting on somebody's desk in Birmingham. <laughs> That's right, which made you think that somebody was, you know. Uh, objecting to this somebody in the league was objecting to it but we'll see but uh do you, anyway do you think that do you think that somebody's initials were bp <laughs> i you know i don't know there could be <laughs> there could be several culprits around the league i guess he he would certainly be if you were going to make a list i would think that those initials would be on the list but i have no uh <laughs> i have no evidence or proof uh, that 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 was the case uh, and who's to say if the tables were turned, the Kentucky might object, you know, uh, who knows. But uh, anyway, I think this year, it's such an odd year, such a crazy year. I think they, uh, uh, the NCAA has been pretty lenient about giving waivers, and I think that that was the right thing to do. So um, 
uh, we'll see. And hopefully we will have a basketball season. Uh, in fact, I think this is uh, today, as we're recording, this is October 25th. So re- uh, the games are supposed to start exactly one month from now. I hope they I hope they do get started on time, but we'll have to see what happens. But meanwhile, we've got the Kentucky-Georgia game this week. We'll have plenty of coverage throughout the week uh, leading up to the game on Saturday, which is a noon start, I believe, on the SEC Network. Um, uh, Mark, uh, follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. Mark will have his predictions, uh, his matchups, and his predictions later in the week. And uh, we'll all and Josh Moore, all three of us will have plenty of coverage leading up to the game on Saturday. Uh, leaving anything out, Mark? Anything? I'm not, I'm not even going to bring up about your Dodgers. So thank uh, you, God. That was brutal. <laughs> that was brutal. You know, it was funny because. Uh, I went. I uh, I was tired and went to bed, but I was checking on my uh, iPad as I was going to bed, and people on Twitter all of a sudden were saying that was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. I thought, oh my gosh, what happened? So then I found the uh, found the video of what of what was brutal. <laughs> but anyway, well, but the Dodgers have a chance. It just made it two two. They got plenty of chance to bounce back. Although, do you think they'll have some kind of psychological effect? Well, that's an interesting question. There's two factors. I don't know that the baseball gods tend to be super forgiving to teams that sort of give away World Series games. And Clayton Kershaw going tonight in an unbelievably crucial game five. And if you look at his playoff history, most of his problems come when he makes a second start against a team in in a given series. So... You know, we'll see. There's uh, obviously, you know, there's still a chance, but man, that was your one strike away from a three to one lead twice. Right. And, uh, and right. you just sort of uh, throw it away. Yeah. If you were just in a, if you're just a baseball fan, that was a heck of a game back and forth back and forth game but uh, anyway uh okay enough about that uh be sure and uh, check out all of mark's coverage uh, this week leading up to the game and as always mark thanks for being on the podcast thanks john Okay, that'll do it for this podcast. Thanks again to Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check him out in the pages of the print edition of the Arrow Leader and online at Kentucky.com. Thanks to everybody who listens to these podcasts. You can follow you can find the John Clay Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts. Uh, give us a rating and review. That really helps. We appreciate everybody who has done that. That help, just helps uh make people aware of the podcast. We had a podcast uh, last Friday with Ben Roberts talking about the Olivier Saar and the Jacob Topic decision. Uh, also about Sky Clark's uh, commitment to Kentucky last week and about who else is on Kentucky's radar, what other commitments might be coming up. So be sure and check that out. We uh, that, that podcast dropped on Friday, so look for that uh, as well on your feed, on your podcast feed for the John Clay Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. Thanks again to everybody who listens to the podcast, and we'll be talking to you again soon.